When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Paul Smith, author of The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine, Getting Cocktails. Hello, and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the marketing book podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on, they are recorded during the cocktail hour. And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. So, Paul Smith, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you doing? I'm just fine, and I, I think I'm a drink ahead of you. I'm, I'm into my second glass of wine now. Well, I, How about you? that will not stand, good sir. I will not tolerate <laughs> such a thing. And now, Catch up. Yes. Oh, here, here we go. Oh, don't worry. Um, now, you are in the Cincinnati area, right? That's where you're usually from, and hopefully that's where you are now? That's where I have been for quite a while. Uh, I'm not originally from the Cincinnati area, but I, I spent 20 years at the Procter & Gamble Company, and they're headquartered here. So all, all roads lead to the mothership, as you know. Right, right. Now, you're from originally uh, You're originally from Arkansas, uh, the, is that right? The, the, that's right. Good memory, the state of Arkansas. I am. There you go. So um, I've only interviewed two authors who are from Arkansas, and only one of them was actually there. So not, you know, wow. I, I consider you someone who's been sort of banished from there. I, I but, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right. Well, I guess the Clintons, they moved to New York or well, that's true. something like that. That was, yeah. some, that was some hyperbole on my part. But yes, I, uh, um, I'm, I'm happy to be in that small club. Yeah. And uh, you're there with your uh, sons and your, and your well, wife, I believe? My wife and two boys. Yeah. 20, in, in fact, we're all together, as you know, all quarantined now. So uh, my 20-year-old my, my is home from his sophomore year in college, taking the rest of the semester from home, you know, homeschooling mm -hmm. or not homeschooling, but, you know, remote learning. And my 15 year old's a freshman in high school and uh, same thing, uh, schooling from home. And uh, my wife and I are working from home as, as best we can, which I'm sure is part of what we'll talk about here is how we're, how we're filling our time. Yeah. And uh, my daughter is home. She was home for spring break. She's a senior in college, just about to graduate, got home and they said, yeah, don't come back. Don't come back. Yeah, and exactly. uh, don't plan on graduation ceremonies either. So oh, yeah. I, I'd never really thought of myself as a homeschooler, but now that you've put that idea in my head, I guess I've been sort of facilitating the education here. And I think that's primarily by uh, making some runs to the uh, liquor store, which uh, exactly. the governor of Virginia has said it's very, those people are very essential and yeah. uh, it's important that the liquor stores stay open. But I just wanted you to know, Paul Smith, I'm here in Virginia, and 
I have never been to the Cincinnati area. But one of the guys, one of my dear friends, whose name is Charlie Daniels, and that's his real name, he's from mm. uh, Cincinnati. And mm. he lives here in the Virginia Beach area. And uh, I chatted with him before we uh, went on the call here. And, and he is such a hardcore Cincinnati person. The only thing that's missing is he's not living in Cincinnati. So he was, he went to the Naval Academy, he was in the Navy, and now he lives, uh, he retired. And as his, his wife, uh, she retired, Kathleen. Naval Academy classmate. He married her, and uh, so they both retired. Anyway, he is such a hardcore Cincinnati Bengals fan that he lives in Virginia. He still has Cincinnati Bengals, and this is the, we're talking about the American football team. He still has season tickets. He flies to wow. Cincinnati just to go to those games. Wow. And, uh, Him so, and 10 other people. <laughs> right. Well, but uh, <laughs> I believe, now, I, I know we're talking a little bit about American football here, So, and all you other 31 football teams in the United States, just calm down, okay? Pour yourself a drink. Let's talk about the Bengals for yeah. a second here. Uh, he said that the, uh, the the draft is April 23rd, and I, I, I say this because they did have the worst record last year in the NFL, so they get to f- pick first in the draft, and he said Joe Burrow, who's yeah who's from Ohio, is going to be picked. And he said, uh, yeah, it's going to be good if he picks him, but Joe Burrow is not a big fan of Skyline Chili. And so people in Cincinnati know about Skyline Chili. I've had my, they've served me this uh, Cincinnati uh, specialty. And is it true, Paul Smith, that everyone in the Cincinnati area is required by law to have a backup reserve stash of the makings for Skyline Chili in case of a, a pandemic? <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it's it's certainly not a law, but I can tell you that we do in our pantry, and we've already tapped into it. So, um, I, And that's probably not unusual. Oh, good. Well, that's good to hear. And he said that uh, to ask you if you have uh, some of these other specialties from your area, like Grater's Ice Cream or uh, Burger Beer, uh, Udipol Beer, or uh, what's the other one? Schoenling? I can't pronounce it right. There's all these German names. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a, a pretty big German uh, population here. I wish I had almost all of those, and I, I don't. We, we still have some of the Skyline Chili left, but uh, no Grater's ice cream in the house uh, and, and none of that particular beer. Uh, so we were kind of running low on supplies. We need to make a, a grocery store run. Be strong, Paul. We, we, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we need you, we need you to we need you to make it through this yeah, we'll and make it. Uh, and keep writing books so that you can mm. pretty soon become a a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Three Timers Club. And I say that because you were most recently on the show to talk about the ten stories great leaders tell, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. A very very short book. And in the book, you promised everyone it would take an hour to read, and it took me an hour and 16 minutes, only because I kept stopping to write down ideas that I was stealing from the book. So, Oh, that's great. That's a good <laughs> excuse for your 16-minute below-average performance. <laughs> right. Right. Yes, I was handicapped, uh, you know, like a, on the golf course. So, um, Yeah, good. Well, good. Well, what, what has uh, changed in, in your world? I know you must spend an awful lot of time on the road uh, speaking and doing workshops for various organizations did all that suddenly fall off the calendar yeah well i used to i used to spend a lot of time doing that so yeah so literally every single you know in-person speaking engagement that i had on the calendar for the last week of march and all of april may and now june 
have completely vanished. Now, you know, most of those will hopefully get rescheduled later in the year, but some of them are just, you know, gone and, um, you know, and, and who knows? I mean, you know, first it was April dropped and then May dropped and now June has dropped. And so we'll, I'm not sure where the end of that is. And the, the other, you know, kind of bad news for somebody like me is that, uh, you know, looking at book sales over the last three weeks, my book sales are down 90%. Um, so it was one of those things where, you know, maybe, maybe when people are spending all this time at home, they'll just buy a bunch of books because they don't have anything to do. <laughs> and, and, and at least for my books, that turns out not to be the case. In fact, I don't know if you've, you've noticed, but uh, Amazon's curtailed their, their purchasing of books for, you know, restocking so they can focus on, you know, important things like medical supplies and food and, and staples and things like that in this, this time, which is a, a very smart thing for them to do. And more I, I immediately life sustaining things than books. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, so one of the things that I'm doing with a couple of my publishers right now is, um, making the, the e version, the elect, electronic book, I guess, version, uh, digital version of, of a couple of my books free for two weeks. Oh, and wow. and the purpose of that is uh, is to allow delivery services like Amazon to focus on delivering those essentials that people need while they're homebound, and not you know tie up the space in the trucks and their delivery people's times with delivering hard copies of books to people. Um, so so uh, uh, ten stories great leaders tell. I think depending on when this uh, this show airs, this should might air be, uh, on the let's see eleventh, twelfth, uh, the fourteenth. I think yeah, April fourteenth. Yeah, might be done by then. I think it was a two-week period of time. Might be over by then. But by that time, the the Four Days with Kenny Tedford, my newest book, will be, which is a different publisher, but I've talked them into it as well, will be free, the e-version of it, for two weeks, starting, I think, about the uh, Monday before this podcast comes out. Oh, okay. And, and the same purpose. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, this, this is what I can do to help is, is not have, you know, tying up you know, trucks with, with my books, um, and giving people, you know, something free that they're, that they can spend their time on. Uh, so it's the small contribution that, that I can make. Yeah. So the other, the first time I interviewed you was about your phenomenal book, uh, sell with a story, which just keeps showing up on every great list of sales books and, and mm -hmm. other kinds of books. And it was that book where I finally understood this concept of storytelling. I, I was just completely misinformed about what it was. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people that are out there. And now that I understand more of it, that's why I urge marketers to be careful when they use that term around their management, unless they understand the, the context. Mm. But talk a bit about this book, uh, Four Days with Kenny Tedford, Life Through the Eyes of a Child Trapped in a Partially Blind and Deaf Man's Body. It's a real departure from the the types of books that you've mm. uh, published in the past. Tell us about that one. Yeah, and that's a good way to describe it. It definitely is a departure. So it, it is uh, sort of a biography, or it started out being a biography of uh, just an amazing human being. Uh, and his name, obviously, is Kenny Tedford. And um, he, he's deaf and he was born deaf in both ears, partially blind in one eye, uh, partially paralyzed on the left side of his body. Um, and with, and so unable to speak well until he was probably 10 years of age. So in, in that sense, kind of like, uh, Helen Keller. Um, but he was also born with a, a fairly significant learning disability. Uh, in fact, today, so he's 66 years old today, but he, he, when he, if you give him a, 
you know, an intelligence test, a cognitive test, he tests out at about the third or fourth grade level. So 10 or 11 years of age, you know, mentally. Um, so in that sense, he's kind of like Forrest Gump, even though Forrest Gump's fictional, right? But so he's kind of a combination of, of, of Helen Keller and Forrest Gump, but a real life human being who's living life with those kind of challenges. And so he just, you know, a, a, an incredibly unique, fascinating human being, unlike anyone I'd ever met before. And so I met him a couple of, well, not a couple of years ago, seven years ago now, and just was fascinated with him and, and just kind of fell in love with the guy and ended up writing his life story. But I, I say it started out as a biography because it turned into something more like Tuesdays with Maury, if you've ever uh, read that book. So, um, w which basically it turned into a book about our four days that was the majority of the time that I spent interviewing him for the book. So instead of it just being a chronology of his life, it's a chronology of the four days that he spent at my house with my wife and kids that we just talked about with him telling all of us his life story and, and me and my wife and kids reflecting on the stories as he was telling us and how it impacted us and how it made us think about our own lives and our own privilege that we have that he didn't enjoy. And uh, you know, it made me think about, you know, the kind of husband and father that I've been and and maybe how I could do that better and even actually how I could be a better business person. So you'll actually see a, a dozen or so places throughout the book where I learned just these amazing lessons from him that I could apply to my work life as well, which I didn't expect to see that. So it ended up being more than just a biography of his life, but um, a reflection on his life from the part of, of me and my wife and kids. And what led up to you having him in your home? Well, it was, <laughs> so, um, you, you know, I've probably not talked about this, but my, my second book is called parenting. Or can with we story. all just come to your house when we're in Cincinnati? No, you're not, you, you know, you are invited, <laughs> but the whole world is not. My wife would kill me. So, um, but my, my first book is lead with a story, right? So it's a, a book about storytelling for leadership. And, and, as I was writing that book, um, I, I started sharing some of the stories with some people to get some feedback on it. And I consistently got this feedback that, man, you know, I think I could use that story with my kids at home too. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what led me to the idea of my second book, Parenting by the Story. And so about the time I was ready to write that second book, I had I met Kenny Tedford at a um, the sto uh, National Storytelling Conference um, down in Covington, Kentucky. And it just occurred to me, this is the first guy I need to interview for this book because he's just got such an incredible life story. I want to capture, you know, a page or two of my book I want to devote to him because I wanted, you know, a hundred or so stories from interesting people around the world to, to fill up this book. And and so he's the first person I interviewed for that book. And I, and I was literally 39 minutes into my one hour interview with him in this book. And I know that because I, of course, I record these, these interviews and at the 39 minute mark, he'd already told me like four or five just fascinating stories. And, and I could, you know, I was only going to pick one of them for the book. And I, and I said to him at that moment at 39 minutes, I said, um, have you ever like, like written all these down? You should like write a whole book about your life. It's like fascinating. And he said something to the effect of, well, yeah, I'd love to. And people ask me all the time after my performances that, you know, do you have a book? And he said, but you know, that's one of my, you know, cognitive limitations is I just, I can't write, I, I can speak. And I hope I tell stories that are interesting, and, and and they are, by the way. But when I try and write, I just I, I just can't do it. And and at that moment, <laughs> Douglas, I said something that I'm sure surprised me as much as it did him. I said, "I'll do it. I'll write your book." 
And, and I, and here I was, I mean, literally I was under contract to write this, this other book, parenting with a story that I had not written a single word for. Mm. And I just committed to this guy that I'm going to write his life story. And so, and you don't that just kind of go a, around, Paul Smith doesn't go around saying that to just anybody. Can I write your book? No, he's the only person I've ever said that to, and I'm just embarrassed that it took me like six years to to do it because, it, well, but anyway, yeah, so I finally did it and I finally found, you know, I had to find a different publisher for it because, you know, business book publishers aren't interested in, you know, uh, biographies about deaf guys. But anyway, it, it, it took a long time, but I finally did it. And I, you know, it's absolutely going to be the most meaningful book that I've ever written so far and or ever will. I just can't imagine writing a more important, meaningful human book than this book about this man's life that is just full of so many joys and tragedies and, and, and humor. And I mean, just think about navigating life in the body of a grown man, but with a child's mind. I mean, the things that happen to this guy in his life are just, just blow me away. I mean, you know, just to give you a, a peek under the hood, he, you know, he was like a senior in high school, 18 or 19 years old, you know, he's a few years behind and, um, his, his buddies literally hired a prostitute for him because he, you know, the, the guy was a virgin and, you know, and so they hire him this prostitute because they think they're going to, you know, make a man out of him. But, you know, so he's 18 years old. So he's got a, an 18 year old man's fully developed body, but mentally and emotionally he's a child. So like, you know, this woman shows up and starts taking her clothes off and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, let's just watch TV. And like, he just doesn't know what to do with her. And like, he's never, you know, he, Completes the transaction. I mean, he yeah, just, it reminds me know, of that uh, section of the movie Big with Tom Hanks, where he's still hmm. a, a child in a man's body. Yeah. Oh my God, that's the perfect analogy. That's exactly what happened. You know. So, but it, but it was real. It wasn't just a movie. So th- those kind of things just happen throughout his life, and they're just just uh, humorous and amazing and and touching and heartwarming and and tragic all at the same time. Mm. That sounds like the movie I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know that your other books will be turned into movies, but that would be such oh, an no. interesting story idea. Yeah, I guess I should be careful be. using the word story around Paul Smith because you know, yes, you should. Different you know, remind folks, well, let's pretend it's the first time I read your book. Okay? And I did not understand what storytelling was. And it is not making something up. Uh, it's not lying. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's actually somewhat uh, scientific and related to the way the brain processes information. Can you remind listeners what what that means? The story yeah. telling. Yeah. So so you know if if you were to ask grownups, uh, especially in the business world, what sto- a story or storytelling is, they'll give you all kinds of different definitions. You know, oh, our our marketing plan tells a great story and our brand logo tells a great story, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And, but ask a 10 year old what a story is and, and they will know what a story is. They'll tell you, oh, well, that's when you tell somebody about something that happened to someone. Okay. And that's it. That's the right answer. It's when you tell somebody about something that happened to someone. So in grown up language, that means a narrative about something that happened to someone, right? So it literally it's a narrative about something interesting that happened in someone's life. It's not the five points of your sales pitch. It's not the three reasons why you should buy what I'm selling. It's not the, the you know the, the the two main takeaways I want you to take away from my speech or my memo. Those are that's a message track. Those are talking points. Those are bullet points of your your presentation. And you need all of those things. But a story is literally a narrative about a time and a place where something interesting happened to somebody 
that other people can learn learn a worthy lesson from. And so that's what a story is. And so what the storytelling I teach is how to find those real things that happen to real people that are so amazing and compelling that they will help other people convince other people to go think or feel or do whatever it is that you need them to think, feel, or do, which by the way is basically leadership or marketing or sales. They're all essentially the same thing. They're convincing people to do what it is that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the many things I remember from the book is that one of the worst things you can do is say, let me tell you a story. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> Don't yeah, so say that. Yeah. What what do you do when somebody says something like that around the office? If they say, let me tell you a story? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's not going to be uh, relevant or uh, it's they're going to be making a bunch of BS up or right. I need to be on guard. Right. Your um, eyes roll into the back of your head yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh, my God. Like, can, just tell me what you want me to know. Like uh, the, the analogy I use is that telling a grown-up – that you're about to tell them a story is like telling a five-year-old kid it's time to stop playing and come in and take a bath, right? In both cases, neither of them want to do it. But once they're in it, they love it and they don't want to get out, right? The five-year-old doesn't want to get out of the bath once they're in it because it's fun, but they don't want to stop playing to come in and take a bath. It's the same with an adult with a story. If you tell them, let me tell you a story, you know, if they're at work, they're like, oh, you just, again, just, just tell me what you need me to do. I'm busy. I got a lot of things to do. <laughs> Don't right. waste my time. Yeah, exactly. But once you start telling them a fascinating story, they don't want you to stop because it's a fascinating story. So just don't ruin your story by announcing that you're going to tell a story. It's a, it's the easiest way to kill a story right off the bat. Right. So instead, I've tried to say things like, well, you know, uh, Larry, what you're describing reminds me of something that came up, a uh, very similar situation once before. And then I just, mm. I, hopefully I'm doing that. That better. was good. That okay. was good. So yeah, that what that's the hook. What would be well? It's also relevant to what they're about to hear. But their body language changes, and they it's like their drawbridge goes down, and they're listening. Yes, and they see themselves in that story. So, can you give an example of uh, like a um, a story a marketer could use, or a, a story that salespeople could be? could be using. There's so many of them, but even from the book, uh, The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell, you had marketing and sales of those 10. Yeah. And and even even some of the others were relevant to what marketers and you know, like the founder story or, mm-hmm. or some of these other things. Yeah. So let, I'll, I'll pick for this group, uh, your audience, let, let me pick the marketing story from that 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell book. So um, the, the, the example there is a guy named uh, from a guy named Sherrod Madison, who's the CEO of United Building Maintenance. So it's a, a commercial cleaning company. And they um, so they are the folks that clean your offices at night. Right. And and when he's in a, a sales call with a new customer or a prospect, he always tells them about what he does when he gets a new contract. You know, he says there's always a 30-day transition period where, you know, my company's going to take over at the end of the month. And he said, during that 30 days, I always do the same thing. I go sneak into the building in the middle of the night <laughs> just to see how they're cleaning the building now. The, the, uh, the incumbent he, supplier. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I want to see how the, the old the old company that's on their way out is cleaning. And it's probably not as nefarious as I just made it sound because he, he gets permission to do it. But you know, the purpose, of course, is because at the end of the month, when he takes over, those most of those employees are contract employees, and he's going to inherit them. So he wants to know if they're well-trained and equipped to do their job. So he said, so you know, last month we took over the Verizon building in New Jersey, and 
so it's two o'clock in the morning. And of course I, I sneak in there and I go find this guy and he's, he's vacuuming the carpets and he's using the same kind of residential quality vacuum cleaner that I use at home. And he said, now the problem is those corridors are 12 feet wide and a half a mile around in that building. But it's going to take this guy a month just to vacuum the carpets once, right? So, so when we took over, we put him into you know a triple wide, you know industrial grade vacuuming machine that'll do the job in a fraction of the time and a much higher quality job. Plus, that machine will last forever because you know it's it's designed to. Whereas that residential machine he's using is going to break down every couple of weeks. So then I went to another floor and I found somebody shampooing the carpet. And he said, it's kind of the same story, right? They, you know, they're using the same kind of residential quality squeeze bottle, walk behind shampooer that I use at home and the same problem, right? So when we took over, we put him into one of those riding shampooers, right? Like the, you know, the, like the Zamboni driver at the ice skating rink, right? He said, then those machines, again, much better job, fraction of the time. Plus notice it gets the guy off his feet so that he has, you know, fewer He'll have fewer uh, injuries to his feet, and I'll have fewer workman's comp issues, which means my client has fewer workman's comp issues. He said, but the last thing I wanted to see was how they were dusting the offices. So he said, I you know, went to another floor and, and looked on top of the file cabinets, and he said, I saw the same thing on top of all of them. It's a little like a half a moon swiped out on top. And he said, I know exactly what that means, and you probably do too, Douglas. You know, th Those cabinets are all like standard five and a half feet tall. And he said, the problem is most of the people dusting the cabinets are less than that tall. And so it's not that they're lazy, right? They're just literally not tall enough to reach to the top of a five and a half foot tall, three foot deep file cabinet. And that's what leaves that kind of half moon swiped out on top from, from their hand, right? He said, the truth is they'd be better off not dusting it at all because it's the contrast between the dusty part and the clean part that makes it obvious that it's not been cleaned well, right? So he said, when we took over, we just gave them all these little 18-inch plastic wands to attach to their dusting claws so they could easily reach the back of the cabinet, right? Boom, problem solved. So he tells that little story uh, in his calls with these uh, prospects instead of saying – well, you know, the reason why we're better than our competitors is that we use uh, industrial grade, triple wide vacuuming machines. We use uh, commercial grade riding shampooers and I give all my dusters 18 inch extension wands. And that's why we're better. Right now. I mean, those are his key three features and benefits that differentiate him from his competitors. Right. Which is, which is your marketing, um, you know, pitch, right. The, mm -hmm. the, your, your key features and benefits that differentiate you from competition. But just listing them like that is not nearly as memorable and as compelling as the story because now that you've heard the story, you can see in your mind's eye that guy riding around on that shampoo or like that Zamboni driver at the ice skating rink, right? You can see somebody easily reaching the back of the cabinets with their wand. And it's just – it's such a better way to explain why you're better than your competitors than just listing your features and benefits. So that I, I call that a marketing story. Uh, and it's, it's about marketing, but it is a story, not a list of reasons to buy you. Mm. So, Paul, what – what changes have you already noticed in the, I guess, the marketing and sales world, the business world? What, what do you, any idea of what, uh, if there's going to be, I, I, today I was listening to a podcast by Professor Galloway from uh, NYU and he was talking about how, you know, a lot of things aren't really going to change. They're just going to, this, this pandemic is going to accelerate things. <laughs> you know, people don't change all that much. What, what do you think, uh, any ideas about what, what may change or, or, and, or what folks could be doing now in this sort of weird timeline? Yeah. So, 
you know, I, I think the best thing I could do to answer that question is tell you what I'm doing. Uh, I, I don't know that I have a whole lot of wisdom for for other industries other than mine. But so for me, I think I already mentioned, right, all my speaking engagements have been canceled. Book sales are down. So what I'm doing during this time is figuring out how to create my uh, or recreate my business model in an online virtual remote format, right? So instead of hiring me to come you know, in person live and teach your sales team or your marketing team or your senior leaders how to tell better stories, how can I do that online? So I'm now spending my days creating an online-based um, training sessions, some that could be pre-recorded that you could watch and just pay for separately. And, you know, I'll, I'll just watch these videos and, and take, do these exercises and, um, answer these questions, take these quizzes and eventually learn this stuff or a live, um, not in person, but a live training course, uh, where it's the, sa the same thing I do in person, but we're all virtual, right? So, but that create, that, that takes a, a redesign of the learning plan, right? I, I can't just you know, say, Hey, we're going to spend a day, you know, on a, on a, you know, a, a, a Skype call. Like nobody wants to stare at a computer screen for a day. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it requires rebuilding the training course designed for a virtual delivery. So now it's got to be broken up into, you know, 90 minute segments spread out over several days and, uh, with homework in between. And so anyway, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I've, I've got to redesign what I offer for today's world. And, and I, I would imagine most people need to be doing the same with their businesses, designing it as best they can to be delivered under quarantine. <laughs> right. Right. So we don't really know how long it's going to last, but it almost doesn't matter because this is something that you could still offer in, in maybe updated form five years from now. And right. just today I was reading a book that uh, the Harvard business review press sent me called Can You Hear Me? How to Connect with People in a Virtual World. And it's by Nick Morgan. And I, I really hope that he'll come on the podcast soon <laughs> because that's a very relevant book. And in the book, he's explaining the reality of trying to connect with people in a virtual world and how it's, it's just much more difficult than face-to-face. -face. But he then goes on to – he lays out the problems – but then he goes on to say, which I haven't gotten to yet, <laughs> how to, how best to try and deal with that. So, I mean, it's very clear, human to human, the way to go, but you can't always do that. And it's just the fact of life. So that might actually be one that you might um, really appreciate as you're putting together that, yeah, I'll check. that program. So I had an idea, and Paul Smith, you don't know this, but those things rarely happen for me. And so here's here's the story. <laughs> okay. You know, people are trying to figure out what to do, and I've been hearing from listeners, and some of them have gotten laid off, and some of them are students uh, staying, you know, they're just talking to me, saying I, they just stopped everything. I was just about to graduate with an MBA and all these sort of things, mm. and and they're saying, you know, or, or people who just graduated from college, and they're asking, you know, they're just, you know, they want to talk. We all want to connect, and I love being able to chat with folks, and so one thing I've been suggesting that people do is, for those marketers anyway, actually for the salespeople too, HubSpot, and we're a HubSpot customer and they're very popular software, they have this phenomenal free academy called HubSpot Academy, and they have all these great certifications, which are updated every, pretty much every year, because so much of the subject matter changes, you know, all these aspects of social media or SEO or uh, sales 
you know, all these different types of things. And so I've even gone back and uh, updated a couple of my certifications that I needed. And the cool thing is they put them onto your, you, you then have the option of putting them on your LinkedIn profile, which recruiters mm. somehow find. And they think, wow, this person's showing a lot of initiative and they are, um, you know, they're, they're, demonstrating that they are capable of teaching themselves things, which is real important these days because everything's changing so quickly. So I had this other idea, and it had to do with Paul Smith's Sell With a Story. Okay, Now, I know that's not the last book he wrote, but I I can't stop talking about it because it kind of had a transformative (laughs) effect on my business understanding. And in the book, you explain all the science behind why why this storytelling works. And you then go on, and, and even at the very end, I, call, I recall there is a, there are, is it 25 stories that every salesperson should have? And it doesn't mean ones that you make up. It's, this is the framework, but uh, you, you need to fill in what your actual story is, and here's how you do it. Yeah. And I, what I yes. would suggest is for salespeople, and especially marketers, get a hold of that book. And start working. Don't don't try and do all twenty five. That's another thing I learned from your last book. Right, don't try and yeah. do all of them at once. Figure out the first five that would be most helpful right now. Yes. And start working on that. So, I hope you agree. <laughs> yes. Talk absolutely. about what folks could be doing. Yeah. So so the the twenty five uh, t- types of sales stories that I, I cover in that book. Um, most people don't need all twenty five. Th- those are the twenty five most useful types of sales stories that I found doing it while I was doing the the couple of years worth of research that went into that book, interviewing, you know, dozens of salespeople around the world and, and uh, dozens and dozens of procurement managers, right? Professional buyers, right? That, that's really who I wanted to talk to because who better to tell you what sales stories work and which ones don't than the buyers who get to make those decisions. So um, my guess is most salespeople, as they read through that book and look at the 25 different types of stories, that there's going to be like 10 to 12 of them that, yeah, I've got to have those 10 to 12. But your 10 to 12 may be different than my 10 to 12 out of those 25. Now, there's some people that may want all 25, and but you're, you're, it's not just going to be two or three that you need. There, there, at least half of these 25, everybody's going to need, but your half may be different than my half. I think that would be a great thing also for marketing folks to do because you can use everything the salespeople are using, you can use to help uh, tell some of those stories. Yeah. In fact, most of my clients, when I, uh, you know, that we schedule a a training, it's typically the sales force and the marketing team together because it it, it turns out, I think in in a significant number of cases that the marketing folks are generating a fair number of the stories that the sales folks then need to go deliver, right? Mm -hmm. So those teams need to be on the same page. So many of these stories are very clearly marketing type stories that are being delivered by salespeople. But there, there's a fair number of those 25 that are very clearly salespeople stories that a marketer wouldn't be quite as interested in. But there's a there's a pretty broad overlap between the two. Yeah. It's one of those ideal books for the marketing book podcast because I really like books that deal with the intersection of marketing and sales. Yeah. So what has Paul Smith been learning uh, recently about uh, being at home and uh, being with the, the family <laughs> probably more than uh, you're used to? Oh, yeah. Well, so I'm finding that one thing I'm craving that I'm having like withdrawal symptoms for is live music. 
So like, you know, you go out with your wife on a Friday night and, you know, have a dinner and someplace that's got a guy, you know, playing the guitar in the back or whatever. And, and you know, we, we love doing that. Well, we haven't done that in over a month. <laughs> so what I've decided to do, and I'm going to do it this week and, and I will invite you to it. I, I'm going to hire a local musician, one of my favorite guys who, you know, I, I know the bars he plays at, I know the, the you know, restaurants he plays at. I'm going to hire him to perform on a Zoom you know, private virtual meeting, whatever you call those, oh, right? Wow, yeah. For me and my friends, my my wife and kids and their, you know, my our friends and their kids, and we will we'll probably also figure out a way to live stream it, like on Facebook or something. But but oh, okay. the 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 point is, there are all these like local artists who just like me are kind of out of work right now. Right? I mean, all <laughs> their all their gigs have been canceled. You know, and and you know, unlike folks like you and me, you know, artists like that t- tend to you know, not have the wherewithal to, to withstand this kind of a extended period of time without their normal income. So I, I'm feeling some, you know, uh, desire to, to help them plus just help the economy in general. Plus I just, I want to hear some live music, man. So, <laughs> so I have a zoom account. I'm, I know the guy I'm going to hire, I'm going to hire him. Uh, we're going to put on a, basically an online concert, uh, and I'm going to invite my friends to it and you'll, you'll be one of them. And, oh, thank uh, you. You know, we'll, we'll just listen to some, some guy play some awesome music live and he'll take requests and almost like you're in the bar there with him, uh, except you're, you're just on your computer. So that's how I'm going to entertain myself. And you'll record it. Yeah, we, I, I can do that. And if he wants to use it for, you know, his marketing purposes, he can certainly do that, but, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be live. And I, you know, I think there's a way to live stream it to Facebook or whatever. Um, but I, it's the live component of it yeah, that yeah. I, is, is the important part, I, I think, right? I mean, you, watching it after the fact would be nice because he's a great, you know, musician. But, you you know, if you want to listen to great music, just turn on your phone and pick your favorite song, right? Right, it's right. It's the, the live component that I'm, I'm missing, that I'm yearning for. Right. So that's what I want to try and, and recreate this week. So we'll we'll see how that works. Well, I want to make those moments last forever. You got to understand that. So the reason I asked that question is, well, if it if it turns out in some recorded form, we mm-hmm. will include it on this episode at marketingbookpodcast.com. So if listeners oh, okay. go go to yeah. marketing, you're getting a blog post out of this, Mr. Smith. Okay. You know, Good. so I'm just saying. <laughs> um the, you go to f- listeners can go to marketingbookpodcast.com and then there's a this isn't going to be a regular thing because <clears throat> I'm either, you know, going to run out of booze or hopefully the quarantine will go away or I'll run out of authors oh, to hope. talk to. And after I talk to enough of these authors, I think the rest of them are going to pretty much run away and not want to do it. But <laughs> if you go to marketingbookpodcast.com, there's a there's a logo we made up for authors getting cocked <laughs> authors in quarantine getting Getting cocktails. cocktails. Yeah, see I'm catching up with you now. I just finished that Good. scotch. And so then you click on that and then you can go to all these interviews that have been going on. I was just thinking, you know, we can, we can put, there's going to be one there for, for Paul Smith and we're going to include a, a link to your site, which is what? Leadwithastory.com. Okay. And uh, a few other uh, things that you've uh, mentioned and go from there. So I hope that uh, Lovely. things go uh, well for you. I appreciate you checking in with the listeners to the Marketing Book Podcast. I do hope you st- don't stop uh, writing these books. So, oh, I won't. Please uh, stay safe and healthy, and I hope that uh, your family is getting used to having you around. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't thrown me out yet, and it uh, looks like yours yours hasn't either. So uh, we're doing well so far. All right, take care. Be safe. All right, everybody. Last call. <laughs> <laughs>